Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. So um, today we're going to talk about sin. <laughs> Exciting subject. All right, so if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We thank you for this opportunity to share concerning your word. Pray none of me, but all of you give unto me supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're studying 1 John. We're taking our time going through it. And I want to um, actually, I'm going to read it and then we'll come back to it, all right? So if you have 1 John chapter 1, I'm going to read these uh, wonderful uh, passages, 1 through 10. It says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it, proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was with and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light. Everybody say God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we take him, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. This is a small uh, book. It's only five chapters. And, uh, but it's, it's so powerful. This, this book will inspire you. John is writing to um, this church and calling them to a real walk with God to the point their lives are impacted um, by their walk with Jesus. And so this is beyond what they think about God to the realities of their redemption in Christ. So this book will challenge your knowledge of God. It will help you to, to identify how, how far you, you know, how much you have grown in God. It is, I will say that this book is a measuring stick of your spiritual growth. So it's not a matter of how long you've been saved, right? How many have been saved for a long time? Raise your hand. Okay, you've been saved from, since you're little or you got saved last week. Uh, it's not the length of the time that you've been in Christ, but it's actually what you're doing with it, right? That's the measuring stick. And so First John is one of those measuring sticks to really see how much you have grown in Christ. So 
Uh, Minister Alan Jean last week preached um, an excellent message on, um, it's called In My Place. I don't know if that was the title of it, but I actually heard it. I didn't hear the title mentioned. But um, I'm grateful that the fact that we have ministers here who, who's able to minister um, to God's people and, and be faithful to the text. And I want to again thank you for your prayers. Um, I was with Pastor Evans last week in Kingdom Insight Church. And two people got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoken tongues. Come on, give it up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, also, I've got a chance to pray for about three people for healing. And so I'm yet to, to hear the report of what God has done. But um, I want to add to what Minister Allen ministered on last week in light of what he ministered on. And it's called In My Place. Um, it's not on SoundCloud yet. It probably will be on SoundCloud this week. So um, get a chance to listen to it. I listened to it once and it, it really was good. But today I want to actually talk about sin in light of what he shared last week and in First John. How, um, how many know that sin is a real issue, a, a serious issue in the sight of God? Um, but I want to talk about more specifically the confession of sin. So today's message title is called The Confession of Sin. Everybody say The Confession of Sin. Okay, thank y'all for all hundred of y'all saying that, the confession of sins. Um, there's something about confessing our sins to our Heavenly Father. Sin is not looked upon as a light thing with Heavenly Father. It actually costs Jesus' life. So when we talk about sin, we're actually talking about what Jesus came to do. He came to bring us life and life more abundantly. He came to specifically die for our sins. Uh, just imagine that his his focus, his goal in life was not to settle and, and, and become a, a millionaire, but his his goal in life was to actually die. So he came to die. He was born to die. And, and, and it's just that was his lot in life. That was God's will for him. And I'm so very grateful that it pleased the Lord to crush the Lord so that you and I could be loved by the father to experience the the fullness of his love. Now, the Old Testament saints, they experienced his love, but we actually saw his love in full demonstration at the cross. And so the confession of sin is very important. I, I, want, I have a question for you. What is sin? I'm glad you glad you asked that. Um, sin is disobedience. So if God tells us to go right and we go left, guess what? We just sin. And so sin is a serious um, act against a holy God. It is um, trespassing God's law. It's breaking the law of God. Sin should be should not be viewed as having flaws. You heard people say, "Well, that person is not really sinful, but it's just they have flaws or they have issues." But sin is much more than just our flaws and our issues. But sin is really disobedience. So when we sin, we are actually disobeying God whether it's from the scriptures or from the Holy Spirit through our conscience, we're violating. It's a sin. And the Bible says in Romans, it says where um, what is not of faith is sin. And it talks about eating, making sure that we're eating with a clean conscience. And so you don't want to go against, if you're born again in here today and you're saved and the Lord lives inside your heart, you don't want to violate your conscience. Your conscience is a safe guide if you've been born again. 
Now, if you haven't been born again, it's not a safe guide because your conscience is going to agree with what you're doing. It's been okay. But the Holy Spirit through your conscience and what is your conscience? I'm glad you asked. Your conscience is the voice of your human spirit. Your conscience is the voice of your human spirit. And sometimes when we say we've been we got convicted we're really, or the Holy Spirit convicted me, it's really not the Holy Spirit convicting us, it's that that born-again nature that we have is screaming out, don't do this, this is wrong. So the Holy Spirit uses our conscience to bring about conviction in our lives. So you know, even if you don't have a per se, a scripture on it, you know when you do wrong, Right? Is there anybody here that doesn't know, doesn't know when you do wrong? Uh, you know. You, I mean, it may not be black and white. Like, you know, um, I don't know of an example. I don't want to use an obvious example. But let's say that um, lying on your tax, your income tax, or, or cheating, leaving the job early when you know that you're supposed to stay to a certain time. So th- those are things that you know are or, or, or hiding something which is what when you hide something is really well, a lie, right? So you're actually lying. So lying has different forms. So it's not just blatantly saying something that's not truth, but it's also making sure that someone doesn't know. So we're, we're going to deal with um, sin and the danger of sin. What sin does, it breaks our fellowship with God. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. And I want to say that sin breaks my fellowship with God. Okay, so you may be in relationship with God. If you're born again, you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You are his son or daughter, and he's your father, right? That relationship is a matter of birth, but fellowship is a matter of choice. And so we choose to spend time with God. Now, as long as you're in relationship with God, right? You're forever secure, and and the blood of Jesus has secured our relationship, our eternity, our eternal security. But we also have what is called fellowship. So you may be a Christian, a person who have acknowledged your sins, received Christ as your Lord and your Savior, but your fellowship might have been broken. So let's say you got saved at a young age. And then you walked away from the Lord for a period of time. You walked away. That means that you weren't in consistent, uh, constant fellowship with God. You didn't come to church. You didn't read his word. You didn't pray. You didn't acknowledge him in your finances. You didn't acknowledge him um, um, as the maker of the day. So what that is, that's you're out of fellowship. How many know that you can be saved, but out of fellowship with God? What do we call that? Come on, help me out, scholars. We call that what? Backslidden, right? A backslidden. A person who has backslid, who, who went the opposite direction. And so we are in fellowship with God as long as we acknowledge our sins, our shortcomings, as long as we are daily striving to be in contact with God, living contact. So another way of looking at of being out of fellowship is you could say you're out of contact with God. Though you are his son or his daughter, you're not in daily contact with him. You are estranged from him. 
How many know have some relatives that you're estranged from, that you don't communicate with? Not maybe there's something that happened in a childhood, or, or, or you know you ha- you hear about husbands and wives that are estranged from each other. That there's no longer communication. There's no fellowship. So what is fellowship? So let me say this again. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. So you, again, you may be in a relationship with God, but your fellowship is another subject. So what is fellowship? Fellowship, we talked about this when we first started, First John. Fellowship is association. Fellowship is community. Fellowship is communion. So a lot of times when we think of communion, we think about the Lord's Supper. But really, that is communion. But really what that is, that is um, you, you, you're reminding yourself, you're fellowshipping with God, you're, in, you, you're embracing intimacy with God over the Lord's death, right? You, you're acknowledging his blood, you acknowledge that his body was broken for you, so you are in communion with him as, as well as with your brothers and your sisters. Another definition, a Greek definition of a fellowship is joint participation. So in order to be in fellowship with someone, you got to be participating. You got there's a partnership. Right. Um, another way of, of, of describing fellowship is intercourse, intercourse. Um, it is the shared which one is one has in anything participation. So if we, we had to break down the word fellowship into two words that will best describe it is intercourse and intimacy. Intimacy. Another one is partnership. So when we talk about fellowship with God, we're talking about partnership. We're talking about intimacy. We're talking about intercourse. It's talking about, we're talking about knowing God. Stand in constant contact with God. So what sin does Sin breaks that fellowship with God. So it's very important that when you and I sin, we are quick to confess our sins, to get rid of the sin so that we can get back in fellowship with God. Husband and wife, they are um, they ha- they're in they're in relationship, right? Because of what they 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 united together as husband and wife. Um. But the fellowship may be broken. There might be some exchange of words, um, some actions done. And so now they're mad at each other or they're they're not in contact with each other. The same way we can be with God. We can be out of fellowship with God and yet we can be saved, but yet out of fellowship with God. So here, John is emphasizing this fellowship. This fellowship. So let's look at verse one again. It says that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and which we have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. Here, John is talking about um, the apostles when he says we uh, we have heard, we have seen, we have touched, we have observed the word of life. What is John talking about? I'm glad you asked. John is talking about actually being in physical contact with the son of God. He saw the son of God physically. I don't know about you, but I've never seen Jesus physically. No one has except for those who are on the earth. Now, there are people who have had visions of Jesus, but I'm talking about having a seeing him in the flesh. The apostles saw Jesus in the flesh. 
So he, they said, we've seen him, we've, we've um, observed, we've heard him, and we've actually handled, King James says handle, but ESV says touch. We've touched the word of life. Notice he called him the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. He's also the word of truth. The word of truth. He's also the word of faith. He's also the word of God. So Jesus is the word of life. He's the word of truth. He's the word of faith. He's the word of God. So you'll see that throughout Apostle Paul's writings, as well as um, John, when referring to Jesus. John continues on by saying that the eternal life, that Jesus is the eternal life. And so uh, the original apostles had a personal, real contact with the word of life which was from the beginning. Notice he says, that which was from the beginning. That which was from the beginning. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was what? Help me out. The word, and the word was with? And the word was? Okay, so from the beginning or in the beginning was the word. The word was always, has always existed. The eternal word of God, who is Jesus. Let's look at verses two and three. The life was made manifest and we have seen it, testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the father and with his son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Notice again, he's calling the word of life, eternal life, the life. He says the life was manifested. John 1, 17, it says the word became flesh and was manifested among humanity or men. And so Jesus is the word manifested. And then he goes on, he says that the original apostles, they saw the word of life or they saw the eternal life, they testified of it, and they proclaimed this word of life, this eternal life. Have you noticed that when some people have an experience or an encounter with something good, they want to tell others about it? But you could even go, go and say that if something was bad, they like to tell others about it as well. Bad service at this restaurant, or don't go over there because they're not going to do you right, and so forth. And so these apostles wanted to share with the, the listeners or the followers of Jesus, their encounter with God, the goal of them proclaiming eternal life is so that they, that the followers of Jesus would come and possess this same fellowship that they too had with the father and the son. They had true fellowship. Remember intimacy, intercourse, par, um, partnership, communion, association with the father and with the son. So John is wanting them to know the triune God. He wants them to know God in the, in the fullness. Jesus is God manifested in the flesh. And so he wants these believers to actually know God for themselves. We have a greater advantage than the apostle John. Why, why, why would I say that? The greater advantage is that Jesus says, you're blessed because you saw me and you handled me and you observed me. But those 
of us who don't see and yet believe, we're more blessed. So we're blessed greater than the apostles because we don't see, we don't handle, we don't hear, but yet we believe. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So our faith governs our lifestyle, our relationship, and not what we see. So it is very dangerous. It is very dangerous to base your relationship with God based on an encounter or an experience. Don't ever seek an experience with God. We're never told in the scriptures to seek an experience or look for signs. Lord, if you want me to do this today, let, let there be a red car that come by or let there be a writing in the sky. God, let me just hear your audible voice. Don't ever seek for the audible voice of God. Don't ever seek the voice of God. We're not called to seek the voice of God. We're called to seek his face through his word. Amen. We're never called to experience God, I know that sounds different, but we're not called to have these emotional encounters with God. We're never called to do that. We're never called to do that. If we, I'm going to let you know, you will have experiences with God. You will have encounters with God, but we don't seek and live for those encounters. We live by faith of his word. Amen. That's going to save you. <laughs> Don't seek his voice. Seek his guidance. We're never told to seek his voice. We're, call, we're, we're called to seek his guidance. He leads us and guides us, number one, through his word. Number two, through the inner witness. That is not based on something we see or feel or encounter. Well, I know this is God because of these these things happening in my life. Not necessarily, because how many know we have an enemy called Satan who appears as the angel of light who has deceived many people in believing something that isn't of God. So don't ever seek the external. We're called to seek the eternal, <laughs> not the external. All right, that's just side note. Verse four talks about... Um, Truly, our fellowship, we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So the purpose of John writing this letter is so that their joy can be complete. The joy comes from our fellowship. And what is fellowship again? Um, intimacy, intercourse, and partnership. Our fellowship, our joy comes from our fellowship with God. So just because you have relationship with God doesn't necessarily mean you have the joy of God. But fellowship is the result of your daily contact with God. Joy, excuse me, joy is the result of your daily contact with God. So as you daily contact God, and how do we contact God? Through prayer, through his word, through worship, through fellowship of the saints, through the Lord's Supper, through the, the, the um, gathering of the saints. Those are ways in which we fellowship with God through these spiritual discipline, solitude, Psalm 46, verse 10. Um, be still and know that I am God. So being still and, and doing self-reflection, right? But more so than self-reflection, we're doing a God reflection. We're thinking, of, as David would say, recounting, recounting the wonderful deeds of God. Speaking well of the Lord. 
That's fellowship, right? When we were boasting about him. And so John is writing these things so that their joy may be complete. And how can your joy be complete? By your daily fellowship with God. As you daily fellowship with God, your joy will be full. You can come to a place that you you can fellowship with God daily and you're full for that day. But guess what? Next day, you're going to need to do the same thing. The next day. Faith is not one of those things that you can store up. (laughs) It's the things that you have to constantly stay in daily contact. Oxygen. You can't really store up oxygen, right? In the sense of, let me store up some oxygen because I'm not going to breathe for like a, a day. Well, likewise, our fellowship with God needs to be on a daily com- basis. We need that fellowship with God in order to maintain our joy, maintain our love, maintain our faith. Come on. Um, um, Jonathan McReynolds has a song called um, Maintain, right? Uh, we need th- the maintenance of the Christian life comes from your maintaining your daily contact. We're really called to um, be good stewards over our union with God through Christ. What are you doing with your union with God? Is it just an afterthought? You, you consider him after the day? Or do you consider him before the day starts? Do you consider him during the day? And do you consider him at the end of the day? He wants that type of relationship with us. That daily fellowship, that daily maintenance with God. In order to maintain your joy, you got to maintain your fellowship. That's good. In order to maintain your faith, you got to maintain that fellowship with God. Let's look at verse five. <coughs> it says we're in first John chapter one, verse five. And this is the message we, we, we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is what? Light, and in him is no darkness at all. Let's take a look at this. First John chapter five, as they walk with Jesus, they received a message and the message is that God is light. How many know that God is light? And in him, there is no darkness. There is nothing dark about God. God does not have a dark side. <laughs> Thank God, right? You and I may have some dark sides. Our children may have some dark sides. Our boss may have some dark sides, but God has no dark side. Everything about God is light. Everything about God is good. He's going to show up and do you some good. If he, if he, if he brings about conviction in your life, that's for your benefit. Because he knows on the other side of that repentance is sweet joy. Amen. Amen. Um, there is nothing ignorant about God. God is not an ignorant God. There's nothing hidden about God. God has made known to us everything that we need to know about God. Let me say that again. God has made known to us everything that we need to know about God. There are some other areas that we don't know about God and we won't know about God until we go into eternity. And there's some areas that even when we go into eternity, we will never know about God. Because he's eternal, there's no beginning, there's no ending. We we have a beginning, but we have no ending like God, right? But we have no begin. We we have no. We, we were not here before the beginning, and so there's some things about God that we're not going to know. Guess guess what? It's going to take all of eternity to know God. It's going to take all of eternity. We can't even think about eternity, right? Eternity is forever. 
It's going to take forever to know about God. And even when we get to forever, there's still more to know about God. But all that we need to know about God, he has given us in his word. So there's some mystery things. And the Bible says in Deuteronomy, it says the mystery things belong to the Lord. So there's some things that there's a great mystery about God that we're never going to know because they belong to the Lord. But the things that he has revealed to us through his word and by his spirit, we embrace. Amen. We seek after. Don't seek beyond the word. Don't go looking for God beyond the word. You cannot know God through nature. You cannot know God through human relationships. You, you know what I'm saying, right? People are like, oh, well, I'm just, I'm just going to seek God out of, you know, uh, you know, I, 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 that's good, but I'm looking for another way to get getting higher. Um, he's a mentor of mine from a, a distance. I, I mean, he was, I mean, I was, I was, I was, I was a young buck when he died. Keith Green, I was listening to um, one of his sermons last night. Uh, he, he was a, um, back in the 70s, not really the 60s, I, I, I think maybe in the 60s, beginning of 70s, he was a Christian music um, musician. He was like the Chris Tomlin of his day. Very radical. I mean, Keith Green was calling people to repentance. I mean, he was doing, I mean, he wrote a song one time, and, and when I listen to it, it, it just brings conviction. Um, he wrote a song called, To Obey is Better Than Sacrifice. And he says, God wants more. This is God speaking through him. I want more than your Sundays and your Wednesdays. There was a time that when the church went to Wednesday Bible study, right? Uh, even though we don't have that right this time, there was a time that churches, people went to church Sunday morning, sometimes Sunday night, and then definitely Wednesday nights. Um, a lot of churches have gotten away from Sunday nights, and a lot of churches have got away from Wednesday nights. But there's still a few that's hanging on. <laughs> and then Friday they was a prayer night. <laughs> All right. oh, we're so busy. We got life. Well, you, okay, that's neither here nor there. I'm not going to fuss. <laughs> All right. uh, PD, you got to get with the times. The times is, okay. Uh, so he said this in the song, to obey is better than a sacrifice. He says, I want more than your Sundays and your Wednesdays. If you can't come to me every day, then don't even come at all. I was like, whoa. Now that is, I, I think that was just a call to repentance more so than you can't come to God. You know what I'm saying? There was a call to repent. And then he, then one song he's called Asleep in the Light. He says, the world is asleep in the dark while the church is asleep in the light. Jesus rose from the dead and you can't even get out of bed. I mean, I was like, whoa. So that's the type of music. And then he had some worship, praise and worship. Before, there was a big thing of praise and worship. He did that. But he was, he was talking about the name of the message called What's Wrong with the Gospel. You can go on YouTube and look at it. And it just, he was teaching, he was training people how to deal with the altars, the altar calls when he gives them at a concert. He was training them how to take and make sure that people understood the gospel. And he was talking about how he searched for God. He, he, he you know, he became, a, he adopted some, some stuff from Islam, some stuff from Buddhist, the Buddhism. Um, he, he, was, he, he was born and raised in Christian science, which is mind over matter. And, uh, um, and so he was seeking God in all these different means. But how many know we can't seek God based on our human effort? 
words. We seek God based on the way he's revealed to us through his word and through Jesus. Amen. Um, um, so the message that we have heard and we proclaim to you is that God is light and in him there is no darkness. Jesus um, says he's the light of the world. Um, the, but Timothy says that God dwells within unapproachable light. So this light is so bright. If you think about the light, right? If you think about light, sunlight, you can't look directly at the sunlight, right? It's unapproachable. What would happen if we were to go in outer space and go to the sun? What would happen? We'll burn. It's unapproachable light. Likewise, God dwells in unapproachable light. The Bible says, boldly it says, that no man has seen God and lived. That's how unapproachable that light is. And yet he extends his light to Jesus. Moses says, show me your face. He says, if I show you my face, you'll die. I show you my backside. Get in the cliff, which speaks of get, get, in, the, get in the rock or get in Jesus, then you can see me. Amen. God dwells in unapproachable light. That's the message that we've heard. That light speaks of purity. That light speaks of, of holiness. That light, even Isaiah, he, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, you think about a train, the train of a woman, of a bride coming down. Usually, you know, nowadays everybody wearing different things in their wedding, but usually, traditionally, you, a, a woman had a train. And that train was far, you know, and it's just like, like a queen or something. Uh, the Bible says that Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. And yet he says, whoa, I, I am an unclean man and I, I have unclean lips and I dwell among a people that is unclean. So the message in which John received He's saying that God is light and there is no darkness at all in him. He's the only truth. He's the only life. You're not living outside of Christ. Everybody understand that, right? You're really not living outside of Christ. Uh, old Andre Crouch song says, you ain't living. He did say ain't. You ain't living until you met the master. You ain't living. There is no life outside of God. As you read Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is declaring life, what life looks like without God. He says, all is vain. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. You know, he's declaring life without God is vain. There is no real living outside of God. Guess what? As a Christian, you may be alive spiritually, but if you're not in fellowship with God on a daily basis, then you're not experiencing life the way God intended it for you to live. You got to be in daily contact with God. Fellowship is what? Intimacy, intercourse, and participation. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you, right? Come on. You got to participate. So if you participate with God, he's going to participate with you. You honor God, he's going to honor you. 
You draw near to him, he's going to draw near to you. Notice, perfect gentleman. He doesn't force himself. He only comes by invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Open the door, he'll come in. Spend time with him, he'll bless your socks off. He'll give you some new socks. <laughs> Glory to God. And all the wife says, amen. <laughs> Nobody knows the holy socks of the man. <laughs> I'm supposed to laugh. All right. <laughs> if you don't come to him, even as a Christian, you have to come to him daily to receive light, to receive light. His word brings light into our lives. The darkness is never associated with God. Did you hear me? Darkness is never associated with God. He exposes the darkness and brings light. Everything about God is light. There is a scripture in Isaiah that says, God, I'm God and I make good and evil. And I make light and dark. Again, it is in the permissible cause or the permissible verb as opposed to the causative. So it's, it's, it's not saying that God actually creates darkness, How, you know, or he creates evil, but he actually it's saying, I permit it. I permit evil. I permit darkness. Are you with me? Jesus is the full revelation of God the Father. So if you just read the Old Testament, you'll be confused about God. Jesus brings light about who God is. James, John chapter 1 talks about that Jesus brings out the Father. He brings him out in the full light of who he is. So if you ever want to see or know God's will, look at Jesus. Jesus is God's will in action. You're, you cannot interpret scriptures properly without Jesus because they'll leave you confused. You'll think there's an Old Testament God and a New Testament God. Jesus brings, he's the full manifestation or the full revelation of God the Father. Hebrews 1 says he's the exact, exact image. He, he's the exact image or the expression of the Father. He's God. It says in the last days, God spoken to us in the days of old to, prophet, to, to us through prophets and so forth. But in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son, Jesus. Let's go to a couple of scriptures in the Old Testament before I finish. Go to Psalm 104, Psalm 104. We're talking about the confession of sin, the confession of sin. And, and what is sin? Sin is disobedience. God tells you to go right and you go left. You just sin. Sin is you can sin by omission or commission. You can sin by blatantly doing something opposite that God tells you to do. Or you can sin by when God tells you not to do something or tells you to do something and you don't do it. So it, it, it could be either you're doing something or you're not doing You're doing something that you're not supposed to be doing or you're not doing something that you are supposed to be doing. Everybody understand? So, so that, 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 those are different types of sin. If you break it down, it's, 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 you got sin, you got iniquity, you got transgression and so forth. And, and that's a whole nother teaching. Psalm 104 Verses one and two. Let's look at this together. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Here's David again, commanding his soul to bless the Lord. I think we should command our souls to bless the Lord more. 
There's times your soul does not want to bless the Lord. Come on. Your soul wants to sit down, look at television and just chill. But you got to make your soul bless the Lord. You will bless the Lord. What's your soul? Your mind, your will, your intellect, your personality. You will bless the Lord. How many know it's, it's not easy to bless the Lord when you and times you're going through? Oh, man, I love you, Jesus. And it's, it's as dry as dry can be. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. You're God. You're so good. You're so good. And it's just dry. How many ever had some prayer, some prayer time that it seemed dry? Come on. Is this just me? <laughs> How many would say most of you? No, don't raise your hand. Most of your prayer time. But, but if you hang on in there and keep pressing in, all of a sudden you move from flesh to spirit. And then the glory of God will come. And I'm not talking about the fullness of his glory, but you'll experience some glory in, in that prayer time, in that word time. You know, sometimes, sometimes you just got to read the Bible. And it's like your mind is wondering, like, what does this have to do? Leviticus? What in the world? What, where is Jesus in Leviticus? And these other, you know, the minor prophets. What, what's Nahum? Nahum, what is he talking about? And what does that have to do with 2018? Your, your, your mind goes, lamentations. Oh, boy. What, what, what do you, I mean, that's one scripture. His mercies are new every day. I claim that. But what about those other passages? I mean, that we, so we're not just only supposed to go to our favorite parts of the scriptures, right? We got to go, we got to eat the begats. <laughs> Man, so-and-so begat so-and-so, and so-and-so begat. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Pay attention. There's something that God wants to communicate. He's a generational God. He's trying to let us know that he's concerned not only about our generation, but the next generation and the next generation. He's an internal God. He has, he's thinking in generations. Come on. And not just for now. All right. Psalm 104, he says, oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, Lord, my God. I love that. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. You wonder why people say, oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. This is David. Oh, Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with what? Light as with a garment stretching out the heavens like a tent. You wonder where Chris Tumlin got that song, How Great Is Our God. Bingo. Um, uh, he, he, King James, I think King James says he wraps himself in light. ESV says he's covering himself with light. So everything about God is light. One last scripture to prove this is Psalm 119. Psalm 119. The confession of sin. The confession of sin. Psalm 119. Let's look at one verse 130. Psalm 119, verse 130. It says, the unfolding of your what? Words gives what? Light. It imparts understanding to the simple. The unfolding. King James says, the entrance of thy word giveth light. The unfolding of your words gives light. We've been in the dark way too long. Let's get in the light. And how do we get in the light? As he is in the light, we get through his word. His word is light. As we embrace the word, we embrace light. Go back to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6. It says, if we say we have fellowship, what is fellowship? Partnership, 
Intimacy. Intercourse. If we say we have fellowship, we say, if we say we have intimacy with him, if we say we have intercourse with him, we, if we say we have partnership with him while we walk in darkness, guess what? We lie and do not practice the truth and do not practice the truth. You cannot truly walk with God and remain in darkness. And remain in darkness. It's, 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 that's, a, that's, a, that's not true. You may have a form of walking with him, but if you walk with him like his word says, then darkness will leave your life. Darkness will leave your life. You cannot stay ignorant and walk with God. You cannot stay in sin and walk with God. It doesn't mean that you don't sin. It's just simply saying you won't remain in sin. The Christian life I heard from J.I. Packer says this, the Christian life is a life of repentance. There is a teaching that teaches that Christians are not called to repent. That repentance is only for the unbeliever. That is a lie. You and I know that we have not arrived to perfection. We have not arrived to a life of sinlessness, right? We, we, as long as we are in the flesh, we got our flesh, the world, and the devil to contend with. So there's going to be some sin. You know, your marriage may look pretty now. <laughs> Get married and live a little, and you're going to find some disagreements. Where's the harmony? <laughs> uh, where, where is... I mean, I, we, we, Courtney and I are celebrating 13 years net tomorrow. 13 years, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, come quickly. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, there is some, some disagreement. There is some not seeing stuff eye to eye. That, that's just human nature. It's human nature. Yet you love, you're, you're, you're committed to each other, and yet at the same time, you're like, whew, Jesus, this work. Uh, I posted this. It, it takes a pulse to fall in love, right? And, but it takes wisdom to maintain that love. And it takes management to, to stay in love. You, you, you have to learn how to manage your mouth. Come on. Manage your emotions. Manage your outlook. It takes humility. Husband and wife, <laughs> You, you got to humble yourself. Oh, man. I want to be right. <laughs> you know, uh, but thank God for the love of God. I ain't going nowhere. You ain't going nowhere. We got, we're going to do this thing together. To death do us part. <laughs> so one of us got to die first. <laughs> Not at the hands of the other person, though. <laughs> um, likewise, Fellowship. Fellowship, you cannot say that you're walking or in communion with God and remain in sin and in darkness. It's impossible. It's impo impossible. Darkness leaves when the light of the world comes into your life and you remain in, 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 you remain in his presence daily. The one that says that they love the Lord and they know the Lord and yet they remain in sin they are liars and the truth is not in them. 
They're heading for hell. They, ha they have a form. You cannot truly say you love the Lord. How, how many people say, well, he loves the Lord. She loves the Lord. Well, how do you know he loves the Lord and she loves the Lord? How do you know that? What is the measuring set? You look at their life. Because if you love him, you'll keep his commandments. His commandments are seen in their daily activities. Come on. <laughs> it's an overflow. What you do in darkness will show up in the light. So if you're walking with God in the valley of the shadow of darkness and death, he'll show up in your life. If you're praying in the closet, that'll show up in your life. If you're fasting and in the word, it'll show up in your life. You cannot separate your life from your communion with God, the Father and the Son. All right, let's go to the next part. Um, verse seven. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son cleanses us from all sin. From all sin. We're called to walk in the light. Are you walking in the light this morning? Are you walking in the truth of his, of his word? As he is in the light or as he is the light, your life will reflect the, his life. His blood will continue to cleanse you from sin and you'll have true fellowship with the saints of God. Fellowship is, is, is a word worth exploring. Um, walking in the light will produce a produce cleansing and fellowship and more light. So as you continue to walk, the more his blood is applied to your life. Isn't that wonderful? Like you're just walking with him and you don't even know that you're sinning and he reveals to you that you're sinning and he cleanses you because you continue to walk with him. It's, it's not like a thing of you, 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 your posture is, Lord, if I missed it, if, if, there, if there's anything in me that is not like you, take it out. That's your posture. That's your heart. Um, Walk in the light. Let's look at verses 8 to 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. His word is not in us. We have sinned. We've all sinned. Anybody without sin, raise your hand. Let's take a look. Anybody without sin, raise your hand. So we've all sinned, right? We've all sinned, but we shouldn't remain in sin. If we don't acknowledge our sins, then we aren't really walking in the light. We have believed a lie and we are far from the truth. Walking with Jesus will bring you to a place of true repentance. As a result of walking in the light, we confess our sins, the confession of sin. You know, a lot of times we talk about confession. There's the confession of Jesus as Lord. We're confessing him as our Lord. Um, there's the confession of who we are in Christ. We are more than conquerors through him that love us. We are accepted in the beloved and so forth. We are saints of the most high God. And then there's the confession of who, of, of, of our sins. We confess our sins. He's the high priest over our confession. And so he takes our sins out of our life. The important part of confession is that we agree with God. Confession simply means we agree with God. And the reason why he wants us to confess it is so he can remove it from our life. If you confess it, then he'll remove it from your life. As long as you don't acknowledge your sin. It's going to always be there. It's, it'll be the big elephant in the room every time you go and talk to God. 
How many have some friends or relatives that every time they come around, it's it's an elephant in the room? There's something that has not been dealt with. There's something, there's some unresolved issues with that person. Then guess what? You really can't have true fellowship with that person. Husband and wife, I'm using that a lot. Um, you're in relationship and, and you, you're trying to have a fellowship. If there's some unresolved issue, you, there's not going to be true intimacy. Mm-hmm. There's just be two bodies together. All the children are in the other room except for Ian. <laughs> but you understand that, that, that there has to be more than just the acts of love. It has to be Intimacy. Heart and harmony and a flow and a oneness. Likewise with God, if you don't deal with your sins, that's the elephant in the room. And sometimes the elephant, husband and wife again, is that if this is not right, this can't be right. And even, I would say, even for their own, your brothers and your sisters, The blood of Jesus not only reconciled us with the Father, to the Father, but reconciled us to each other. So if this is not right with my brother and my sister, then this is not right. Give you an example of my wife. I'm using her a lot, right, these years. Um, She had to lead praise and worship at at one of the churches that we were, well, the only church that we were part of prior to Um, Kingdom Living Ministries. And there was someone on the praise and worship team or band that there was some unresolved issues. And I saw my wife do this. Says, I need to talk to you. So she talked to the individual. She says, are we okay? Let's talk about what happened the other day. And this is before, right before Sunday, worship. She got that right. The person, so there was no elephant as she led worship. This was, the elephant was dealt with. How many know that that's that's a testimony? Some of us, including yours truly, would have just, let's just go ahead and worship. (laughs) And through the worship, the elephant would be gone. But in actuality, the elephant may get bigger. (laughs) <laughs> How many know it, it, you, you have to confront that elephant with God? You got to do, God will, sometimes he, he, will shed, he will sit on your prayers. He says, until that is dealt with, nothing is going further. Your whole life is going to stay like, you're going to be stuck. I've had God tell me, I want that. And he put his finger on something that I was holding on to dearly to. It was an idol. Until I get that, you're not going to experience the life that I'm calling you to experience. So let's deal with the elephants. Let's deal with the sins in our lives. Let's deal with our, you know, and again, it may not be a physical sin per se, a behavior sin. It may be a heart sin. Attitude and 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 the and you're willing to hold on to pride or willing to hold on to something that he's telling you to let it go. Um, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. And as we're walking in the light, we confess our sins. He says our sins 
And we know and understand his faithfulness. He's faithful and just. Thank God for his faithfulness. Our lives depend upon his faithfulness. Man, that's worth that's worth you driving across the town with that little snow <laughs> to come here this way. Our lives depend upon his faithfulness. He is faithful and just. If we would acknowledge our sins, he's going to be faithful and just to forgive. You know, people say, well, he'll forgive you. See, there is no forgiveness where there is no acknowledgement of sin. People like to present God as if he'll forgive everybody and anybody just because he wants to. He only forgives those who will acknowledge their sins and embrace Jesus and his finished work. Embrace that the fact that he stood in our place. When you receive Jesus or as a Christian, you acknowledge the work of Jesus. And I need Jesus even after I got born again. I throw myself on the mercies of God that is displayed in Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm not right, Lord. I acknowledge what I said, what I did, what I felt, what my motives behind it. I acknowledge that it's, it is distasteful in your sight. It is displeasing in your sight. And the Bible says, then he's faithful. He's, see, people want, the, they want his faithfulness without their acknowledging of their sins. How great, how faithful, you know, how, how great, great is thy faithfulness. He'll be faithful, but you got to be faithful to acknowledge where you missed it. Amen. To not acknowledge your sins, you're making the Lord a liar, and his word is not in, is not in your life. You cannot continue in darkness when you walk in the light. Your life will continue to, as you walk in the light, your life will continue to be cleansed by his blood. To walk with God is one of continual repentance. The Lord will change your life as you walk with him daily. Change is inevitable when you are walking with God. Let's talk about confession real quick before I let you go. Confession of sin is acknowledgement that we have missed the mark. It is the recognition of the holiness of God. When you, when you confess your sins, you recognize that he's holy. You recognize he's just. You recognize that he's, he's light. You recognize that he is perfect and pure. That's the knowledge. That you, you're displaying his lordship. When you acknowledge your sins, you are, you are trying to dethrone his lordship when you ignore your sins. Did you hear me? You are dethroning or trying to dethrone his lordship when you refuse to acknowledge that you've missed the mark. The Bible says you're trying to make him a liar. How many know that God is true and it doesn't matter our society is changing. It doesn't matter. Um, um, there's a quote that I was trying to put up and, 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 and someone was like trying to stop me from putting it up. But it was like um, um, conformity. No, tolerance is one step to conformity. <laughs> I mean, I would have got a lot of eyebrows. <laughs> oh, like, wait a minute, dislike <laughs> on the Facebook uh, status. Um, but it really is. When we tolerate sin, we're simply saying, I'm, I'm in agreement. So you can't go around... Um, you can love the person and you can value them, but you cannot endorse what they're doing. You can't endorse everything that they're doing. I, I'm, I'm, I, I, I'm limiting myself to going to s s different services. Because when I go, 
what am I doing? I'm, en- I'm endorsing those services. What if those services are displeasing to God? <laughs> um, perhaps even certain churches you, I may not go to. Because when I go, I'm, en- I- I'm endorsing that church. Um, confession. We come to a true place of, un- when, we, when we acknowledge our sins, we come to a true place of honesty with ourselves that we're not in harmony with God and his word. We have fallen short of his glory. We agree with him that sin is unacceptable. This is my last scripture. So let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 real quick, and then go to Proverbs 28. If we confess our what? Sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's go to um, Proverbs 28. This is my last scripture for the day. Proverbs 28. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13. This Proverbs 28. I went to Psalms 28. <laughs> Proverbs 28, verse 13 says this. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not what? Prosper. Prosper. But he who confesses and what? Forsakes them will obtain mercy. So when we talk about confession, we're not just only saying the confession with the mouth. We're talking about that confession showing up in your life of forsaking that. It's really repentance. So as a believer, 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 is not talking about unbelievers, but talking about believers. As believers, we must acknowledge our sinfulness and forsake them. So I want to leave you with the application. As Christians, as believers, as a child of God, as one who's called into intimacy with the Son of God and the Father and the Holy Spirit, how do we confess our sins? Some of us have never heard or never learned how to truly confess our sins. It's not just saying, I'm sorry. Saying that you're sorry does not make it, doesn't remove it from your life. It's more than just saying, I messed up. So how do we confess our sins? One, you got to allow his word to bring conviction. There has to be a conviction about it. It can't just be, well, I, I know I did wrong. I'm about to get caught, so let me just go ahead and confess. Sometimes people confess in order to not be found out. <laughs> so, so, so allow that conviction to come. Number two, Acknowledge who he is and your need for Jesus. God, I, I, I acknowledge you holy and you're righteous. And I need your son. I need his sacrifice. Not only is it for the world, Jesus is for the world, but Jesus is for the body. Jesus is for the church. I need Jesus. Whoever coined that phrase uh, was right on. Boy, you need Jesus. Yes, I do. I need Jesus. We need Jesus. Whether you're saved or you're you're not, whether you're a believer, an unbeliever, a saint, or a a sinner, we all need Jesus. And so you acknowledge who he is and your need for Jesus. Number three, you got to acknowledge your sins. Acknowledge your sin. You got to, and sometimes it's good to even say this, what I did is wrong. I lied. I cheated. How many know that it's, it's, 
what's the, what's the um, you know, half of the battle is acknowledging where you messed up. Counseling, right? You need post-marital counseling. First, you got to recognize we need help. <laughs> Before you can get help, you got to acknowledge we ain't on the same court. Let's go see somebody from a different angle who can speak into this. We need another view because we're not seeing the right. We're in the thick of it. But first, you got to acknowledge that this is not good. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. You got to see that. Acknowledge your sin. Same way with God. God, there's an elephant. God, there's something that I, and I'm telling you, there's times that I've gone down every, everything in my life. Lord, okay, yep, I, I messed it up. Yep, I talked about that person. Yep, my motives wasn't right about that. Yep, and you just go, Lord, I, I acknowledge. I, I see where I missed it. If you will allow the Holy Spirit to show you, he'll show you where you missed it. The Holy Spirit is what's called what? Helper, right? He's called to help. He's not only going to help you fulfill the will of God, but he's also going to help you. He's going to show you where you missed it. How many know that sometimes you just don't know that you, you don't see properly? So the Holy Spirit has been sent to help you to see properly. Okay, so acknowledge your sins. Next one is to acknowledge your forgiveness. I mean, acknowledge. No, excuse me. Ask for forgiveness. So he's the one that has the ability to forgive you. So you're depending upon his forgiveness. What if we don't, some people have been misinformed about God, and because they've been misinformed about God, they think they're forgiven about some, from something that they have never been forgiven from. So wrong information will produce a wrong type of relationship. So I need to get correct information from God's word. I acknowledge my sin and I ask for forgiveness. Lord, forgive me. I'm asking for you to pardon me. Um, Matthew 6 talks about our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us, right? So even in the Lord's prayer, Jesus is teaching us about asking for forgiveness. This is how you ask. First, acknowledge who God is. Pray for his kingdom to come. Pray for his will to be done. Recognize where your daily bread comes from. And then ask for forgiveness. Recognize that you're in debt from your sins to God, act for forgiveness. Walking with God requires your acknowledging what he acknowledges. You will call sin like he calls sin, sin in your own life. Okay, and the next part is then you got to receive forgiveness from your heavenly father. So once you ask for forgiveness, you embrace forgiveness. Receive forgiveness. You got to receive it, right? And then remind yourself on what Jesus has done for you. Think about Jesus dying for our sins, going to the cross. Remind yourself of what Jesus has done for you. Couple more. Next one is fight against condemnation with the word of God and the blood of Jesus. So when the devil reminds you of what you did, 
you remind him what Jesus did. As, as Mr. Devil, you, you know, he's, he's, what is he called? The what? The accuser of what? Right. He accuses us before the father. You remind him, say, listen, I want you to know the blood of Jesus took care of that. That I'm no longer associated with that thing that I did. You're right. I did do it. But you, what you forgot to, to factor in is the blood. The blood took care of that. And now when God deals with me, he doesn't deal with me according to my sinfulness. He deals with me according to his righteousness. Amen. So remind yourself what Jesus has done for you. Fight against condemnation. And my, two more points. Don't bring it up again before the father. How many have brought things up again before the father? When there's a lack of finances and when there's a lack, when there's drama in your life, well, you must be punishing me. No. As far as God is concerned, it's a done deal. He treats us as if we never did it. So do not bring up your sins again before the father. Because God said in Old Testament, he says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I separate you from your sins. He doesn't remember our sins. Doesn't mean that he, he's forgetful, but he chooses to forget. As old song, um, see forgiveness, he places our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. He doesn't remember them anymore. And my last point is to rest in Christ, to rest in the finished work of Jesus. You'll begin to grow in the light of the word. This walk is one of great joy and great repentance. God will show you up in your life as you walk with him. The confession of sin, when you acknowledge your sins and forsake them, then you can obtain mercy. It's not only, when I say confession, it's not only me saying it, it's me forsaking it. I have to forsake. And that's what repentance is, right? Repentance is not just asking for forgiveness. Repentance is doing a 180. It's doing a going the opposite direction. Amen. Father, we, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you that we have a high priest who's, who, he's the high priest over our confession. Not only our confession of who we are in Christ, not only conf confession of what we're believing for, but our confession of our sins. I want you to take a few moments now. I want you to confess your sins before the Father. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.